think they all failed. Uh, no, uh, they all did a great job. They were in there. We had a really good class. I enjoyed them. Uh, I want you to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Second Corinthians chapter 10, if you find it, um, look at verse 3. We're just going to read two or three verses right now. This morning I had a whole lot of verses tonight, uh, not so many. Just going to talk to you a, a little bit about uh, a truth that um, is, is extremely simplistic. But I'll be honest with you, the, the way I was, I was taught uh, about preaching is that you uh, that if you're going to say anything profound, when you if you say it profoundly, then a lot of people don't get it. So you have to give profundity with simplicity. Uh, and they called it back then giving putting the jelly on the bottom shelf. And so uh, um, that's just that's the only way that I know how to do things. I I, I want to make it clear uh, to everyone that walks in the door. But I want to also challenge those that have been in in uh, the church and uh, been Christians for many, many years. Well, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not, not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And of course, we mentioned that this morning, talking about strongholds and, and um, uh, th that type of thing. And so and if you notice that God is the one that can pull down those strongholds, but it says casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Uh, we, we, in every decision of life, we really, it really comes down to two choices. Every decision we have to make, every day of our life, we have to make decisions. And honestly, it comes down to two choices, really just two basic choices. And, and I'm going to speak to you about that tonight. Father, I pray that you bless. Holy Spirit of God, please guide my mind and give me clarity of mind and strength of body. And, and Lord, I, I, I pray that uh, what I wrote and, and what I believe you, you help me to, to see and to, and to to find, Lord, is, is exactly what somebody would need to, tonight. And, and dear God, I, I pray that I waste no one's time, that everything that I say and do would, would be a help and a blessing and encouragement to someone. Please, Holy Spirit, I yield myself today, and I need you right now. In Jesus' name, amen. There's only two choices in every decision, and really what it comes down to is God's way or man's way. It's all it really comes down to. Every time you start to evaluate anything, that any decision you're about to make, it just comes down to, is this what God wants or is, it, is this what I want? Am I following my desires or, or, am, or am, am I taking into captivity every thought? Uh, you know, because what drives us so often is we begin to think ourselves into doing something and, and God says, you know, if that's not my thoughts, if that's not my direction, you better take that into, the, into captivity. You better capture that thought uh, because right now that thought, that direction that you're going is exalting itself above the knowledge of God. It's exalting itself above the Word of God. It's God's way or man's way. If we call God's way, we're just going to kind of speak of it like tonight, God's way is plan A. A man's way is plan B. Now, really, man's way is kind of plan zero, but, but just to follow that, you know, kind of the correlation here, the, uh, God's 
way is plan A, man's way is plan B. We can quickly understand that the strength of plan A is determined by your belief and conviction that God's way is always right. You know, if you really are going to do plan A in your life and you're a plan A person, that's only going to happen if you just really believe that God's way is right. And when, watch this, it's always right. God's way is, folks, this book is always right. Uh, the, God's principles are always right. It, it's, I, I get so frustrated. I was teaching years ago on a, on a topic in Proverbs and went to, uh, you know, just to doing some research and things. And man, it's amazing when you get on the internet how many people attack the book of Proverbs. And they say they're, you know, the, that there are no promises in Proverbs. They're just good sayings that most often are true. And folks, let me help you. Anywhere, watch this now, anywhere that God says, you do this and I will do this, that's a promise. Okay, that's a promise that can never be broken. That's a promise that God Almighty has to keep because God keeps his word. And so God's way is plan A, man's way is plan B. We can quickly understand that the strength of plan A is to, is is determined by your belief and conviction that God's way is always right. And watch this, and how committed you are to living out your conviction. It's one thing to mentally say, I believe God's always right. It's another thing to put feet to what you say and say, I'm going to walk that walk. There's a lot of people that, that say, I believe the Word of God, and I believe the principles of the Word of God, and I believe the truths of the Word of God, but I'm going to just tell you, there's a lot fewer people that just get up and say, you know, I don't care what the world thinks, I don't care what everybody else thinks, forgive me, I don't care what my family thinks, I love them, but I'm going to do what God tells me to do. I'm going to walk the path He told me to walk. I got to do it. I got to do what God said to do because God is right. If, the, if everybody is against me, God's still right. He's still right. Now, the strength of plan B is every moment that you consider the possibility that man's way is right. Every moment that you consider, every increasing moment that you give to that consideration, that plan is getting stronger in your mind. And what you're really doing is every moment that you're considering the man's way is right, you're considering, watch this now, what you're really considering is that God's way is wrong. You understand that? We, we don't like to think that way. But the truth is, if we take man's way, we're telling God he's wrong. You are being saturated more and more. We are being saturated more and more with defense mechanism and strongholds that are against the knowledge of God. And, and, you know, when we put up defense, if you've ever, you know, uh, forgive me, but I had psychology at Memphis State. Uh, truthfully, I had 15 hours of it, so I'm, I'm a little demented right now. But, uh, but, you know, they talked a lot about defense mechanisms. It's where you put up these walls of protection. It's a lot of times when people get hurt, they, they, uh, they, they don't want to get too close to anybody. They don't want to let anybody in because if they let anybody in, they may get hurt again. And it's called a de defense mechanism. And, and so, uh, but a lot of times what we do is we put these defense mechanisms and, 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 and even strongholds that I spoke about this morning uh, that, that, are, 
we allow them to be built in our lives, and, and they, they, they are against the knowledge of God. We, we, start to, uh, we start to think that we've got to protect ourselves even from God. It's like the maniac of Gadara. When Jesus approached him, he, he ran to Jesus, grabbed his hand, I believe, and, and it says he worshipped him. If you study out the words, you'll find out that word, that particular word, it, 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 by definition, is like a dog licking his master's hand. That's what that means. He worshipped him in that way, like a dog licking his master's hand. And, 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 but at the, immediately he got up and screamed, What have I to do with thee, Jesus? Torment me not. That's kind of unique. You're going to worship him and then scream at him to leave you alone? That's a defense mechanism at its its height. You see, that man, yes, he was demon-possessed, but that, that man, what he saw was he saw that somebody came with perfect love. Jesus came with perfect love, but everybody who had ever said they loved him had hurt him. So if he lets in that love, it's only going to cause him greater pain. The strength of plan B is that every moment that we allow, we consider the possibility. Now, the young Christian will almost always, listen to me, the the young Christian will almost always be guided and governed by plan B. You say, why would that be? But because because before he became, became a Christian, plan B is all he knew. That's all he's been given. That's all his mind is saturated with. That's why, folks, let me say again, there's a whole lot of regulars in here. We've got a few visitors, a few But let's be very patient with every new person that comes into that door. And be very patient with them six months later. Be very patient with them a year into it. Folks, you know, I wish sometimes that we could go back and remember who we were. I would be scared to death if I had to really face what I was really like a year after I got saved. Hey, what I was like even a year after I got in church. I, honestly, look, here's, I changed so much that we had a men's meeting about a, probably a year or so after I got in church. We had a men's meeting, and, and I was a police officer, and somebody got up and said something I didn't think that was nice about the preacher. And he kind of got in the preacher's face a little bit. And I just stood up and looked at the preacher and said, Hey, you want me to take care of him? And look, I was fully willing. And he's like, no, no, Bob, just sit down. Robert, sit down, sit down. And I'm like, no, man, I'll take him out of here right now. That's just, can you, look, be patient with the people. Because they, didn't, they don't know anything else. Plan, this is the only way he knows, and he will be, be the only, it'll be the only way he knows until he grows in his belief and his trust in the word of God. You first get saved. When I first got saved, if you told me to go to the book of Hezekiah, I'd try to. Anybody ever found it? I I didn't know. I didn't know the Word of God. But you know, the more I learned the Word of God, the more I began to change. And faith just told Marco, Hezekiah's not in the Bible. So I saw her whispering to him. Or maybe she was saying, where is it, Marco? Uh, even in the Christian circles, 
the, the well, just an illustration. In Christian circles, I, I don't know if y'all realize this, but marriages struggle. Anybody ever notice that there's a possibility? So many teach that instead of, this is just, now look, this is not on marriage, this is not on any, but I'm just going to give you this as an illustration. I've heard this for years and years, and, and I'm not going to say where I heard it, but I'm going to tell you, I, 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 I never was for this type of teaching, but here's what was taught for years and years in the Christian circles, and that's, that's this. If you, it, ladies, if you're going to get married, you need to have a career to fall back on if something happens and he leaves you. Let me help you. That's plan B thinking. That's plan B thinking. What she effectively has a plan B for a marriage, but this plan B actually weakens her resolve and commitment to the marriage. Now, her commitment to the marriage, that it's a lifetime commitment. Now, that's God's plan A. But when we say I got to have this career to fall back on, and I'm doing that going into the marriage, what we're saying is I'm taking plan B. Any commitment she makes to plan B de decreases her commitment to plan A, which was marriage for life. The more she thinks about plan B, watch this now, the more we consider plan B, the greater the chance that she's going to need it. Y'all believe me? I'm, I'm telling you, I, I don't know everything, but we've done a lot of working with, with marriages and families. And I'm just telling you, uh, this, this, this kind of attitude going into the marriage, it, it's always, look, Every situation, every incident, every conflict, they always see that open door over here. There's that open door, that possibility to take. Guess what? If there's no door, then you just got to keep going. Do you know why that, that so many marriages, so many more marriages lasted uh, uh, 50 years ago even? We're really probably 75 years ago, 100 years ago. Can I tell you why? Because they had no option. Do you understand? They got married. They were out in the, in the, in the, someplace in the field someplace. They were out in the country someplace. They weren't, look, where was she going to go? And how was she going to get there? And they didn't have any money to leave. Did you understand that? Now, they really wasn't the right concept, but the fact was, when you have plan B as an option, that just increases your probability that you might take that option. Okay, I'm trying, folks. But you're not encouraging much. The, um, the more she thinks about plan B, the greater chance that she's going to need it. In effect, she has made plans for the marriage to fail. This is just an illustration, but when you make, you know, you hear about these prenuptial agreements, which I think is retarded, but... but prenuptial agreement. Well, we didn't have to make that because, you know, people that do that have something to agree about. <laughs> you know, so we had nothing to agree about. So, you know, what, what difference does it make? She might have got my horse. Uh, now, but when you make prenuptial agreements, which is effectively who gets what when we bust up, you have greatly enhanced the probability of a divorce. I don't have and have never had a plan B for my marriage. 
We have had tough times like every marriage, but the difference was there was no option, no plan B, so you have to make it work when there's no plan B. When plan B is the only option, you have to make it work. Are we okay? I don't have, and I never have. This is why we have so much divorce and living together in America and even in Christianity. We have plan B of no-fault divorce, and, and effectively marriage is something to try out, and if it doesn't work, we, try, we just end it and try again. Now, again, this is not about marriage, and, and I always have to make these dis- disclaimers. This has nothing to do with the past, and if this has happened to you, if it's gone in the past, this is not an attack on you. What I'm saying is, is for those coming up behind us, we've got to get them thinking right. And can I tell you, part of the reason why we end up in divorce is because somebody, at least one in the relationship, has never come to plan A thinking. We consider our plan or man's plans when we are not committed to God's plans. We are not committed to God's plan when we do not truly believe the Bible to be the Word of God. We may say we do, but if our thoughts supersede God's thoughts, then we do not really believe that they are God's thoughts. We cannot believe in all pow- an all-powerful God, yet trust our way instead of His. And folks, it's so important that we get into the Word of God and we let it tell us how to live instead of we determine what we're going to do. There are three basic reasons why our thoughts supersede God's thoughts, and this is really what I'm trying to get to. Number one, our old life of the flesh has never considered God's plan or His plan for our life. Even as a Christian, we may still carry these philosophies and beliefs because they were so long a part of us. And and so our flesh has not considered God's plan. Our flesh has only considered man's plan. You know, I went to State College. I went to, to Memphis State University, and I spent five years there. I've spent 40 years trying to weed out. 40 years trying to weed out the garbage that they pumped into my head. The philosophies that they drilled into my head. And truly, even more than 40 years because they began, you know, I was a 70s kid, so they began in high school. Because it was in, in high school, that we, because in the, in, the, in the early 70s is when they stopped teaching anything and everything became philosophy. No, regardless of your, of your course, it became philosophy. I mean, look, it was so retarded. I, I had a chemistry class in high school. Do you know that I made the highest grade in our entire chemistry class? I made the highest grade on the final exam. Do you know what that grade was? A zero. Everybody else made minus. A zero. Now, look, I understand that it could have been the pupil. But it might have been the knucklehead teacher that never taught us chemistry and then gave us tests. Thank God they graded on a curve because a zero became an A. I got every question wrong, just not as wrong as they did. I got it wrong in the right way. That's so stupid. All right, now. So many that are now saved still believe and make decisions based on their thoughts and beliefs before salvation. 
And this is what really hinders, and this is, this is the toughest. I'm just going I'm to tell you, this is one of the toughest things about being a pastor or a Christian work. When you're working with people, it is so hard. Forgive me. It's easy to get people saved. Plan salvation. You know, I was out here for 30 minutes uh, after church with this this couple. A guy works for FedEx, and he and he had it. And I believe it. You know, this couple. They drove them here. They were just desperate, pleading with me. Can you wait a few minutes? Can we come there? Somebody hacked our account. Uh, my husband works for FedEx, and they were a sharp-looking couple. But our whole thing's been wiped out. And FedEx tells us he, we can't get a new card or get this thing out until you know next week. And the woman just looked at me and she said, "Sir." We can survive, but you can look at me and tell, I just don't like going without eating. And she said, we just need food. And I said, ma'am, yes, you're right. I didn't say so. But, um, but the fact is, is that uh, but in, in about 30 minutes there, that, that couple trusted Christ as their Savior. You know, it's, it's easy. But you know, it, takes, it sometimes takes months and years, and maybe never can you get people to come from salvation to actually looking at the principles of the Word of God and saying they're true and I need to live them. Why? Because they've been saturated with man's plan B. And they're going to live it. Now, they make decisions about marriage. Forgive me. Uh, one of the, you know, in, our, in the class, we had a combined class today because we had a, a, you know, a couple of unfaithful people that weren't here. Um, uh, the Brother Rogers was out of town and, and Brother Allen was out of town, so I combined the class. And they brought up this, uh, you know, one of the things that we talked about a little bit, they said they were talking in one of the classes about abortion. And so I, you know, I answered a few questions about it. But, but, you know, it's amazing how many Christians can't see that abortion's even wrong. They, 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 they really don't believe it, that it's wrong. Why? Well, there's a lot of reasons to it, but uh, it's, it, they make their decisions about marriage, about abortion, about alcohol, about premarital, extramarital sex based on uh, input placed in them before their relationship with God. That's why we're in so much trouble in, in our nation right now is because from even in grade school, I'm talking all the way down to, you know, first, second, and third grade, the things that are being pumped into their heads. You know, uh, we're, we're there in, in first, second, and third grade, reading books, and I forget exactly what, Joe, you might help me, why Johnny, you know, wears a dress, that they're teaching our children uh, about homosexuality. Understand, I'm not simply talking about the day of salvation, but the day you finally decide, decided to allow God to be God and decided to believe God's Word is, in fact, the infallible Word of God. That, that's plan A thinking. When we finally get to the point, salvation is wonderful, and it gives us the opportunity, opportunity to have plan A thinking, but it doesn't make us or it doesn't necessarily uh, uh, assure that we're going to have plan A thinking. It's, it, that comes as we grow and believe that this truly is the infallible Word of God. And, and, and I'm going to throw it out one more time, folks. This is why, look, this is why man needs to stop fooling with the Bible. 
the more man touches it, the more man changes it, the further it gets away from God's Word. And watch this. We, they're rewriting definitions. They are re, they're rewriting the Bible. They're, they're changing what it says. It's certain verses just don't say the same thing that they used to say. Definitions, and I tell people all the time, definitions are not, uh, are not inspired. And the reason I say that is because the definition of a word in this Bible is not the same. Many times it's not the same as it was even 30 years ago. Why? Because now they're writing definitions to fit the new Bibles rather than writing, staying with the definition and let that definition say what we've got is already right. We have faulty plan B thinking because we do not shield ourselves from the world's influence. Here's the second reason we have plan B thinking. We don't shield ourselves from the world's influence. And, and, and a lot of people think, you know, you, know, you can't go crawling the hole. But look, we can do. The world system is controlled by plan B thinking. The world, the flesh, and the devil. He's the prince and power of the air. And listen to me. The things that come across the news, the things that come on the talk shows, the things that come in the movies, the things that come down. And I'm not saying yet you don't see or watch or hear anything. But I'm telling you, you need to be careful how much you allow saturate your mind. And I'm going to say again, this this concept that you take anyone, you, you encourage everyone to read everything, to listen to everything, to do everything, and, and with this stupid statement of, of, look, just eat the meat and spit out the bones. Do you understand in Proverbs there's three people? There's the wise man, there's the fool, and there's the simple one. Okay, if you're a wise man, you might be able to look through some books and listen to some preachers and realize, okay, I can glean a little bit of good, but you know, this right here is wrong, and I gotta shove that out, I gotta spit that out. But the simple man doesn't know what is. So you don't throw everything at him. You don't take these college students and just say, go read everybody. Not until they get strong enough to understand what it you know, Look, I said this in Sunday school class. Any of y'all ever eaten some fish and you chewed and chewed and chewed and chewed and you knew there was no bones in it and you swallowed and you swallowed the bone? I want to say to them all the time, spit out the bones. What if you don't know it is a bone? It's going to get hung up in your gizzard, buddy. Now... The world system is controlled by plan B thinking. The movies, the music, the news, the talk shows, the authors, the educators, even some churches and preachers support and encourage and even bombard the Christian with plan B philosophy. I'm getting tired, folks. If you spend 20, 30 or, or much more hours per week listening, viewing, studying the plan B, you will always struggle with having a desire for plan A. Just understand, you saturate your heart and mind with plan B, and that's what the world is. And listen, I, I know, I'm, I'm one of those wacko fanatics, but, but I'm just telling you, the more you saturate yourself with that junk, the less you're going to desire God's plan. It's just the way it is. Number three, just as I taught this morning, the God of this world, the father of lies, is always bringing lies, half-truths, deceptions to us. He uses horoscopes, false teachers, false religions to, indoct uh, uh, in, to indoctrinate 
us with plan B. The world, the flesh, and the devil are always bringing before us plan B, for they are diametrically opposed to God's choice, plan A. Now, I'm not going to be able to get through all this, but I learned a long time ago this statement that we should make no provision for failure. Anybody ever heard that? Make no provision for failure. Now, this, this statement is true if you understand fully what this st statement really means. If you make no provision for failure, I want you to understand that that means that you follow plan A, you never have a provision for plan B. But I want you to also understand, you understand that an alternative plan within plan A, an alternative way of continuing in plan A is not wrong if that plan fits within the, within the truth of the Word of God. If it's an alternate route of plan A. God says in Romans 12, 2, and be not conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of the mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Obviously, God says there's a perfect will. He says there's an absolute perfect will. But you know, sometimes the perfect will gets eliminated. And do you know that sometimes that's not, that's not in our control? You see, one of these old boys was playing, any of you guys dating? You are? A girl? Just kidding. Um, now, he believes, maybe. How long have you been dating? Seven months. Seven months. You in love? <laughs> you smiled. All right. You don't know what it is. All right, but, but he thinks he is, and, and probably at this point in his life, he thinks that's God's perfect will for his life. And can I tell you, it might be. It might be. But you know, there's two people that have power of decision in that perfect will. He may stay right as rain, serving God, walking with God, praying. She may turn her back on God. And if he does, God's perfect will is not available. But God still has a, a will for him an acceptable will for him. And that's not like it's, it's bad. It's a wonderful thing. I mean, the truth is a lot of us are going to get to heaven and found out that, find out probably we didn't do God's perfect will, but we did his acceptable will. Again, I don't have time to go through it all, but personally I believe it's God's perfect will that we spend more time with him in his word and with his people and at his church than any other thing that we might do. It's man's will that we never trust in Jesus, and if we do, that we do not commit to him, but rather we do what we want, when we want, as much as we want, and, and that usually means coming to church at best, Easter and Christmas. And I've seen this for years in parents of teens. I just want, because we're going to be having camp here pretty soon, but Watch this now, and I beg you, parents, I want you to evaluate what you really want. Are, are your desires for your children plan A or plan B desires? Because this is one of the things that 
we really have gone into a downward spiral of our young people serving God. Now, I don't believe every young person is supposed to be in full-time service, but I believe every young person is supposed to serve God, okay? Because I, I believe no matter what you do, you ought to be doing it for God. You know, Josh, you, you run that pizza store for God. I mean, the truth is, he does. Those, those things ought to be dedicated to God. I don't know if you can dedicate pizza to God, but you it ought to be dedicated to God. Everything you do ought to be dedicated to God. But here's what so many, and I've, I've seen this, and I've seen it destroy so many young people who, who had the fire of God come into their life and a desire to serve God and a desire to do something with God. But here's what their parents wanted. The parents wanted them to be saved, but they want them to live a plan B life. They want them to be happy, but do man's will for their lives, for they want their children to be financially and socially successful and acceptable. That's what they want. They push their children to plan B. I just want to warn you, again, we're coming up to camp real soon. If your child surrenders and your child gets that, gets that burning desire to serve God, watch me, I beg you now, don't pour water on that because you want them to have a better life. There is no better life than serving God. There is no greater joy than to, to, to know that your children walk in truth. Can I tell you, I, that's greater joy than, than having a million dollars in the bank. That's greater joy than, than having the nicest home in the world. That's greater joy than having all the possessions and all the technology. The greatest joy is knowing that you're going to end this life, and when you do, that your children are still serving God. Plan A for children is that they would, be holy, that they would wholly believe God and His Word and that they would do the perfect will of God for their life. Holy Spirit of God reveals to each of us the truth. Is, is there any area of our lives that we are following plan B in our lives? That's what we got to ask ourselves. Is there any area in our lives? I want to just, oh, I've gone too long, but I just want to give you this. So we've got college age here too now. And, but this may be a challenge to those who are going to Bible college or thinking about going. When I was called to go to the ministry, called to go to Bible college, Plan A was to believe the will of God and the call of God and to finish what God had called me to do. That was plan A. Plan A was to finish Bible college and go into the ministry for life for the gifts and calling of God that are without repentance. And that means that God doesn't change his mind and I should not change my mind either. But I've seen many start but not finish. Many once served God, but at some point they began to listen to a plan B. Things got harder and convenient or even confusing, and they listened to the siren's call of man's way and justified why they were really were not meant for the ministry in the first place. And that brings me to another old saying, never undo and doubt what you've done and believe. 
And if you believe that God called you to do something, fellas, never turn away from it. You believe that God called you to go to Bible college and be the, a, a, a wife of a, of a, 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 a servant of God? If you believe God called you to do that, listen to me. You go and you never turn back. You say, well, well, well okay, you're going to condemn us if I do turn back. No, here's what I want you to do. Make sure you're really called before you go. Make sure. Make sure this is really what God wants you to do. But I, I'll tell you, I don't mind if you want to go, uh, you say to me, I, I want to go to Bible college to learn more about God, to have a stronger family, to own a stronger marriage, but I'm not necessarily feeling that I'm supposed to be in the ministry. Okay, go there and get that, get that foundation and get that help. That's great. But if you say to me and to God, God has called me to serve God. God's called me to be a preacher. God's called me to be a missionary. God's called me to be a wife of a servant of God. If you believe that with all your heart and soul, never turn back. And the only reason you ever turn back is because you got consumed with plan B. And I've I've seen too many people about that. Listen, I don't have a lot of talents and ability, but but one thing that I, that I thank God for, and my wife, maybe it's the greatest praise that she ever gives me, but she's said to me so many times, you don't have an ounce of quit in you. Can I just tell you, it's not me. I just believe, real simplistically, if this is what God said for me, he didn't say do it for a while. He didn't say come for a while. He didn't, no, he said for me to serve him with my life. And that means the time I take my last breath. Had a guy the other day, he says, what's your plans for retirement? I looked at him and I said, in my business, you don't retire. Retire means die. Now, there are many today serving God with man's methods and philosophies, but God has only plan A. When it comes to his will. He may have different ways of accomplishing plan A. But he's got plan A. So we just have to come down to decide. Are we going to do plan A? Or are we going to continue to make decisions. Based upon our desires. Which is plan B. You say how do I know. How I'm really making my decision. Have you, I said, yesterday, some time ago, I, I get these things in my head, and I want to, I, I, I'm a gift giver. I love to be able to give gifts. I love especially to be able to give a gift to my wife or my children. I really enjoy them. And when there's something that I really think they really want, I, I just, I just it's, it stays in my brain all the time. So when this piano broke over here, and we had some problem with it, and this really nice man came in here to, to help me, and he's been doing this for 46 years, and he rebuilds pianos, and I said, well, do you do it on the side and so on? And, and, and he said yes, and I said, well, buddy, I'm looking for a, I'm looking for a little baby grand piano because my wife has a dream of having a little baby grand piano in, our, in, in her music room that has no music in it. And I said, well, I'd really love to, to have one, and he said, well, what can you spend? I said, well, that's pretty scary, nothing. And he said, uh, he said, 
Well, uh, you know, where are you talking? And, and I said, look, you know, give me some estimate of something on the low end where something you can get something cheap, but it'll still be good. And he said, well, about $2,500. And I said, okay, just call me if you ever come to that. Well, that was you know, a few weeks ago. Yesterday, I was at, I got a phone call from this fellow, and he said, look, we're, we're having some kind of sale. I also, he said, on the side, I work for this other business, and and he said they're having this special this sale, and he said they've got this black, whatever kind it was, piano, uh, baby grand, and he says it's really about a ten thousand dollar piano, but uh, but they are willing to let you have it for fifty five hundred. Well, I don't know if y'all know this, folks, but but I don't have fifty five hundred dollars, and and uh, but I wanted so bad to get it, I really did. I wanted so bad to to get that that piano for my wife. I wanted her to walk in the door, and there it sat, and, 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 I, and just so much. I even came to the point that I almost called the finance man. I really was. I was going to, because I was hoping somehow he would justify the fact that I was going to go in debt. And, 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 I, and I thought, no, 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 no. And so I walked outside, and I, and I spent a few minutes with the Lord, and I said, Lord, I just, I, I, I can't, I, plan B I was going to preach this. I said, plan B would be for me to go in debt for this thing and pay monthly for the next five years. And I said, I just don't think that's what you want me to do, Lord. I don't think that's plan A. I don't think that's your will. So I just said out there as I was standing outside, I said, nope, it's not the right time. Apparently, this is not it. I got through praying, and the phone rang back, and, the, and I got, he said to me, he said, he said, sir, he said, before you consider that one, he said, we just had, we had already sold one that somebody couldn't get their financing through on, and he said, and it's a, uh, he said, really, realistically, he said, the lowest we can go on is about $2,500, he said, but I think I can get it for you for $2,500. When I told him, you know, that I, th okay, you know, maybe I could do that. And, and honestly, uh, I just got repaid on a loan from somebody else, and I had so, a little bit of money. And so I thought, okay. But then I thought, and the Lord just said, still too much. So I called, I said, give me about 30 minutes. And I called them back after 30 minutes, talked to the Lord, and I said, look, I can give you $1,600 cash. And I expected her to say, sir, that's impossible. She came back after about five minutes. She said, he said, if we could deliver it tonight and you would pay the taxes, it's a deal. And you know, sitting in our house right now is a baby grand piano, $1,600, and it's all paid for. Amen? It's just an illustration that if I had gone with plan B, and it's so tempting. Right now, I'd be in debt $4,000. And you know, I don't need to be in debt at all. I just don't need to be. Neither do you. Unless you're giving me money. <laughs> so, I, I violated my everything tonight, folks. God bless you. It was the tour group's fault. They, they sang too long. Well, what will you do with the will of God? 
Will you follow plan A or the desire of man, plan B? And that's what everything we do. And I guess tonight I'm just asking you, as these decisions come before you every day, many times a day, what choice will you make? That's what you've got to talk to the Lord about. And Father, I pray that you'd be